Welcome to the Roundtable. I'm Jennifer Eller, and with me today is our co-host, Mike Hill, and our producer, Nick Wilson. And then our guest is Robert Knorr, and are you the director of Harmony Home? Is I'm that the what your title? director and the founder. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and the founder. You, wow. You're the man. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so they say. <laughs> yeah, so Harmony Home is one of the organizations that we give $5 to. If we have a first-time guest, fill out a card and choose them as organization. So we wanted to hear a little bit more about Harmony Home, but before we do that, we want to kind of get to know Robert a little bit. So you born and raised from Huntington? No, I, okay. I'm from Ohio, actually. I don't tell too many people that, but um, <laughs> is Ohio probably, bad? You no, know, you know, Buckeyes are worthless nuts. So oh, Although I don't know if being a Hoosier is much better. But, well, the candy um, of Buckeyes, those are really good. Yes, so you are. know, you could go that yeah. extreme, not like the nut, the candy Buckeye. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, most of my adult mm. life, I've spent mm. in Fort Wayne. Mm. I was married, and I spent the last, up until I moved to Huntington, about 10 years ago. Well, Huntington area. I had been in, in Fort Wayne for about 15 years mm -hmm. with my wife. So so that's where I've spent most of my adult time was yeah. up here. I'd never been to Huntington only maybe a couple times in my mm -hmm. life until I ended up here. So, yeah. so, I what, up. so what brought you to the Fort Wayne area? Uh, the Fort Wayne area is, that's... Um, my first job since I lived in Ohio, my first job was in Fort Wayne, and I did some travel, and I lived in Florida for a couple years or mm -hmm. whatever, and then all my family's up here, so I came back up this way, mm -hmm. and it was just easier to find a job in Fort Wayne than anywhere else, mm -hmm. and so that's where I put down my roots, and then that's where I met my wife, and we had we didn't have any kids together, but that's where her kids went to school, and mm -hmm. so that's where mm -hmm. we put down roots. Mm -hmm. So Awesome. So what do you like to do for fun? Oh, well. Um, I know you're a busy man because every time yeah. I texted you, you would never text me back. So <laughs> <laughs> Don't take it personally. No, we had I a conversation here, so I knew it was good. And I know he just lives life in the fast lane, I think, I, with I've what been you working do, on but. that. I really have been. Uh, I like to go fishing. I like movies. I like, uh, I like to go bowling. Um, Pretty much my life consists of Harmony Home nowadays. Mm -hmm. So, like, I like to take the guys to a movie once in a while. Mm -hmm. We like to go laser tag so I can brag that mm -hmm. I'm – and I can shoot them legally. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of it is just, like, helping people. I mean, that's what I enjoy most mm -hmm. of the time. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be taxing sometimes, too, but, like, that's yeah. what I do for my life now. So Yeah. So what kind of movies do you like to watch? Scary. Bloody. Scary? Oh, golly. Yeah, scary, bloody um, – but I, I like everything. So, like, I go over to my son's house every once in a while. Well, about every week, and we watch, like, something about Flower Moon a couple of weeks ago. Flower Moon? It was about the, the Native Indians, how we took their mm. land. And then before that, we watched Oppenheimer. That's more him wanting to watch that stuff because I'd, I'd be watching, like, The Nun 2 or I guess uh, this week we're going to watch Aquaman. Mm. Aquaman 2, so... I have a big variety. <laughs> I'm I'm a man. I'm pretty simple, so like it doesn't take a lot to entertain me. So. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's yeah. what I my sister tells me anyway. Yeah, that it doesn't take a lot to entertain yeah, and you. Yeah, like you know, some shots and some explosions, and I'm good. Yeah, you got to add some blood in there. But yeah, I guess I sound pretty morbid saying that. Yeah. Wow. But I love like Michael Myers, and Oof. I have a man cave that's got all kinds of. I have a. Um, Friday the 13th mask signed by Kane Hodder, who was the one that played mm -hmm. um, Jason in five or seven, eight, nine, and ten. So I have, yeah. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I weird. can't do scary movies. Are you a scary movie person? Uh, uh, no. In my younger days, I have watched some of them, yes. Okay. But I preferred not to. I'm okay. just not a big movie watcher altogether. Yeah. So, but it's my escape. It's I not, think. Like, yeah. I live at one of the homes. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when I when I go in my room at night, as like, either I watch a series, which would be like Walking Dead. I like zombies too, or um, or a scary movie or something. Yeah. Well, no. But I'm I'm getting ready to completely flip that over, and I'm going to start watching The Chosen. Oh. And that's a huge change from what I'm used to watching. Mm -hmm. But my therapist. I mean, it's not just because of my therapist, but I've been wanting to kind of watch it, and I know it's going on season three, and yeah. so I'm going to start that here soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. What's your favorite childhood memory? Oh. Probably spending weekends we used to have. We used to go camping every weekend. Mm. So we would camp at different places. And for a while we had a, a camper at a certain place, Atwood Shores up in, um, at, by Rome City. Um, but yeah, camping and fishing. And I was the type of boy that would come home with snakes and and bugs and all that kind of stuff. So I, I spent a lot of time around the water and stuff. Although I don't like to swim, but uh, <laughs> but you're an outdoorsman. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Good. Not so much anymore. Now I'm not going to go camping unless I I have a comfortable <laughs> something to sleep on. But, right. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I grew up. That's mm-hmm. catching crawdads and mm-hmm. that kind yeah, of stuff. I think stuff. that was a lot of that generation. You know, Eric's family like went camping a lot. Yeah, that was just what you did. You know, hotels and big vacations were just not quite the norm. I think as they are now. So I think camping is a big yeah. Part of people's lives. Yeah, I think it's what people could afford and they were okay with it. Now yeah. nobody's okay with that. I'm not okay. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying even younger people, they're not like, like yeah, they would rather travel. Mm-hmm. Airbnbs yeah. instead of a yeah. tent. Yeah, yeah. The, Give the, me a hot shower and a bed. Yeah. <laughs> I like campfires, but. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess let's kind of jump into your story a little bit and. You know how um, Harmony Home came to be, and well, I'll try to give you the short version. You can give us a long version. We've got <laughs> well, some time. The short version will still be probably forty-five minutes. So. Perfect. Um, so a little bit about me is like, as as far as because I'm in recovery too. I just celebrated nine years mm. um, a week ago Monday wow, on the fifteenth. Thank you. And. I had a, my therapist, I see, I still see a therapist to this day. I think that's mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. But um, she said that I'm I'm not one of the normal ones. Is like, I had a good childhood. I had both parents there. I mean, they fought, you know, like normal, whatever. But, like, I had both my parents there. And I had good parents until they passed away about three years ago. Um, so it wasn't like the normal broken home of a lot of what I see nowadays. Um, but, so, yeah, nothing really exciting happened until I was, like, 18 or 19, I got out on my own. I mean, it was exciting, but it was just a normal childhood. I was loved. I was hugged. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I, I had all that there. Mm-hmm. I have siblings um, that used to beat me up all the time. Mm-hmm. So, because I'm the youngest out mm-hmm. of six. Um, but when I when I hit like 19, I got into management right away, and I started working at Big Lots, and I got promoted right away. And then I went into fast food. Well, not fast food. Little Caesars, and. That was when, and I'd always been a, a good boy, you know, I didn't drink, I didn't do any kind of drugs. And somebody introduced me to a thing called mini thins, and they are, they're ephedrine, which is what they make Sudafed, it's like mm-hmm. Sudafed nowadays, which is what they make meth out of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I got hooked on that pretty, pretty quickly. I mean, I could stay up three days at a time. Mm-hmm. I could, I was a manager, I was running my own little Caesars, so like, I was putting my heart and soul into that, so... uh yeah, I would stay up three, four days at a time and just, you know, running all the time. And that's just what I was used to. And and it was a lot of fun for a very short time. Um, but then that just started falling apart for me. So I ended up moving to Florida for a little while. And I and I dropped the, med, uh, the pills pretty easily. Um, I was on them for a couple of years. I was up to where I'd have to take 60 a day. 60? Oh yeah, it's gosh. one of those where if you take, the more you take, the more you have to take to get the desired effect. Wow. So um, I did go to the Washington House once up in Fort Wayne, and they wouldn't keep me because they said back then that that mini thins or ephedrine was not addictive. Mm. Yeah. So do you buy those at a store, or is there? Yeah, you back buy then you from? could buy them at the gas station. Was it like a weight loss drug? Mini thins? I don't. Um, it was it was a speeder. Okay. To keep you awake, or like Yellow Jackets, mm-hmm. or you know, like everybody drinks energy drinks now. Oh yeah. So yeah. it's it's the same. Okay. They, there weren't energy drinks. Kind of like back the Five then, Energy so. or something like yeah. that little. Like the first energy drinks that came out was like Jolt. I don't know if you guys remember that. It Mm. was like pure caffeine, nasty tasting. Mm. (laughs) But it was so much caffeine that it would keep you awake. So it was it was that kind of stuff. Um, But it was it it wasn't known what the effects were. Mm -hmm. And now I have a pacemaker now, and they um, they contribute that to those pills back Mm -hmm. then. Is it started destroying my heart, yeah. and then what I did later helped finish it. So. Wow! Yeah, I mean, even in the weightlifting wow. world, they used to sell ephedra. Mm. You know, I mean, they call it different things, but yeah. I mean, if you're going to lift and try to cut and lose weight, I mean, you could buy them at any 
vitamin store mm-hmm. yeah. you know, back in the day. So The gas stations had them 60 in a bottle. Or no, I think they were 30 in a bottle because I was going through two bottles a day. And um, yeah, they felt really good. And I love I love that feeling that mm-hmm. the, on the back of my neck, the hair would stand up. And I just, um, I hadn't really felt anything like that before mm-hmm. because my parents were drinkers like weekend, like once a year drinkers. Mm-hmm. So like I had a beer here and there. Other than mm-hmm. that, I had never tried any hard liquor or anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I never really tried anything like that. So mm-hmm. when the first time I tried that, I was... Yeah, I was on my way to getting hooked pretty quick. Did you grow up in the wow. church? Like, is that a was we, that ever a part of? Your we went to church every weekend. Okay. We went to Baptist church. The only thing I really, I mean, the most fond memories of church was when my parents would drop us off at Sunday school, and then they would go get coffee and donuts and bring us back donuts when they picked mm-hmm. us up. That was my favorite part. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the, the church, I'm, I'm, in my, I'd say early twenties or not early twenties, early thirties. I played drums in a church for a mm. while. I was going to church four days a week. Mm. Um, we were doing the men's Bible study mm. and doing twice church Sunday, and then um, and then we'd do rehearsal because mm. I, I had a little bit of drum experience. So I went through that phase for a while. I shouldn't say phase, but where I was really active in the church. Yeah. Um, but earlier, we just we just went to church. We weren't like big church family. Yeah, yeah I didn't mean to interrupt. Mm-hmm. I just didn't oh, know where fine. that all fit in the whole process mm-hmm. of it all. So I've always known God, and I've always known that God was there. And I hear a lot of people that get angry at God for different reasons or mm-hmm. whatever. And, and the way I believe is he was always there for me. I just didn't use him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's always been there. I've known that he yeah. was always there. He did, because of that belief, it did stop me from hurting myself a few times later on um, because I was always taught that, you know, if you kill yourself, then it's then you're going to hell. I don't mm-hmm. know if, what people believe anymore, but that's that's is one reason that I was always too chicken to do that mm-hmm. is because I didn't want to go to hell and um not get a chance at redemption, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So, where was I? You were addicted, Little Caesars. Yeah, I'm kind of all all about. So, Florida, Mm -hmm. I I moved down there because my sister was down there. And I just went down and lived life. I mean, I worked at fast food places. I didn't really, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing anything major. I was was just down there living. Mm -hmm. It was nice. It was Orlando. So, you Mm -hmm. know, there's always kind of things to do. So, But when I moved back up here is when the alcohol really started and um and how old were you then when you moved back oh i would have been 98 so 20 some years ago so 30 early 30s mm-hmm. is what i would have been so um i started just drinking occasionally and well i should backtrack a tiny bit so back in 98 I had already moved up here around 98, and I decided to make a stupid decision, and I um, I have a felony. Mm-hmm. So I, I stole some money from somebody. So I did my nice little, I got sentenced to six years, mm-hmm. uh, five years suspended, so I had to do a year, and I got out in four months because I had already convinced that I was the innocent guy because mm-hmm. uh, most addicts and alcoholics were pretty good at manipulating. Mm-hmm. So you know, mm-hmm. I had them all convinced that, no, I would have never done something like that. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so after I got out of jail in 98, um, I started at a gas station, well, a truck stop up in Fort Wayne. And it's they do like $5 million a year. It's a busy mm-hmm. truck stop. So that's where I met my wife. And at that point, I wasn't really doing there again. I wasn't really drinking or doing mm-hmm. too much. I mean, I would still do the mini thins once in a while or whatever because they weren't controlled. Now mm-hmm. they're controlled. You mm-hmm. can only do so many uh, grams. I mean, they, they check your ID and everything for them mm-hmm. nowadays. Uh, like, you go to Walgreens, they won't even sell you Sudafed if you're not right. able to buy it. So, mm-hmm. um, But that was where I started ramping up my drinking. And I had sit down the pills years earlier, and I still dabbled. And um, But the alcohol, man, that got me. And I just I just couldn't let it go. Mm-hmm. It got me hard. Um, never a beer drinker. Um, the, the hard stuff to the point where straight out of the bottle vodka, you know, no flavor. It didn't mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I got married in 2002. I met my wife in 2001. And um, she had four kids by previous marriages. And it went well, but I wasn't ready. And so my drinking went up even more. And she um, she ended up with cancer. Mm-hmm. So, and she was 32. She got endometriosis. If mm-hmm. I, that's all the, she had to have a total hysterectomy. So that pushed her into early menopause at 32. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm newly married and getting used to being a dad to four kids and, mm -hmm. and they're all boys and mm -hmm. and then with her and then she had the bipolar so it was menopause bipolar not mm -hmm. taking any meds for anything so it was yeah it was a little intense yeah and of course mm -hmm. I'm not blaming everything on her mm -hmm. obviously I, I wasn't the husband that I should have been but um so it got crazy for a while and that that definitely started ramping up my drinking when she got diagnosed with cancer uh, she couldn't work, so mm -hmm. I'm supporting her, taking care of her and the four kids, and working full time. And and I, I got out there pretty. I was hiding it pretty well for quite a few years. People, I mean, people knew I drank, mm -hmm. but they didn't know to the extent that I was drinking. Mm -hmm. And um, and that was when we started having more problems. So I ended up getting my own place. We were still married, and we we still did a lot of things as a married couple, but like we just we didn't click living together. Mm -hmm. And so in, um, it had gotten really bad to the point where in 2006, 2006, I got a job at rallies and I did really good. And I ended up running at one time, all the rallies in Fort Wayne. I was a manager mm -hmm. at one of them at, at any given time. And, um, I ended up met, meeting a kid that had been abandoned by his parents and his life or whatever. And, and I ended up adopting him. Mm -hmm. And so looking back, I'm glad I did. I don't regret that mm -hmm. I did, but he had a lot of street smarts and that kind of um, accelerated me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, as far as addiction goes, you got people that say, well, I just did it because it felt good or whatever. But then they always say there's got to be an underlying reason. 85% mm -hmm. of addiction comes from a mental health issue. Well, I found out later in life that my mental health issue was acceptance. So with him and there was all kinds of like kids that came along with that and parties and I was the cool dad and mm -hmm. I was having all kinds of fun and but I was mm -hmm. drinking myself into obliteration. So like we would have parties and I would fall, you know, I wouldn't fall asleep. I would pass out mm -hmm. and then they would do God, whatever. God only knows what mm -hmm. they were doing. So but it was acceptance and I was a cool dad and I thought that was really cool. Um, but I was in the middle of my addiction. So, mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously it wasn't cool. Did your other <clears throat> sons participate in that too, or it was just the one no. that you adopted? So the um, family didn't really know all of this stuff? No, they didn't know too much. I mean, they knew what I was doing as far as like, they didn't know details. Mm. So, but my wife had gone into remission, but then the cancer came back. When we split up, we were the type where when we were good, we were really good. Mm. And when we were bad, we were really bad. Mm. And like she came after me with a um, tire iron one time. And if she would have connected, she would have connected. Yeah. So, um, and there again, I'm not blaming it all on her because, you know, we, we had mm -hmm. equal parts. So when we weren't living together, her cancer came back. And, but we, had, when we had broke up, like the family just hated me. Her family hated me mm -hmm. with a passion. And so I didn't see the kids and I didn't see, um, this, you know, the in-laws and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Then in, um, I hope I'm not skipping around too much here. You're fine. In 2013 is when Rowley's finally, finally caught up with me and said, okay, you're drinking on your job all mm. day, every day. Oh, my. And, Did you um, put it, like, in a Coke cup or something like that? Or how'd they I know started you sneaky, and then I got... You didn't care? No, I didn't care. So <laughs> You'd have the bottle, like, sitting there or something? No, or? I wouldn't do that. I had it in the bathroom or in the car. Hmm. I, I, I only have one DUI, and that's by the grace of God, hmm. 100%, because hmm. he knew that... It, Doing what I do now, I couldn't do without a license. Mm. So, but I drank and drove for at least a year and a half every day. And um, so at one particular restaurant on Stellhorn Road, mm. like I was drinking at work and I would, when I left that store and they had some electrical problems, they found 12 plastic bottles of vodka up in the ceiling tiles mm. um, in the bathroom. So I'd go in there and I'd drink, you know, um, and if it wasn't there, I'd, I'd make an excuse to go to the store or whatever and go to CVS mm -hmm. and grab me some alcohol. I thought I was hiding it like everybody does. Like mm -hmm. in addiction, you always think that, oh, nobody knows. Everybody knew. Yeah. Um, including my supervisor knew, but he was he was 100% enabling me, but he was just being a nice guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was a good manager. I won a couple trips to, um, I won a trip to the Bahamas while I was in the middle of my addiction. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a good manager. I did a good job. So I considered myself a functioning alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And so they just kind of turned the other cheek. And I did that for quite a few years. But we got a new supervisor. <clears throat> excuse me. We got a new supervisor in 2013, and he wasn't having it. <laughs> <laughs> so in 
So in April of 2013 is when I got fired there. Mm-hmm. And um, right about the time I got fired, I drank myself into, I don't even know what I'd call it, but my heart was like beating out of my chest and mm-hmm. I was it was really bad. And um, so I went to um, I went to the hospital and they, they really thought I was not gonna make it out of the mm-hmm. hospital. The, like the nurses thought they were, I was gonna leave in a body bag that day. I had seven liters of fluid on my lungs. I, I went into um, uh, congestive heart failure four times mm-hmm. that year. So it was bad. And um, I had a really good cardiologist and he was the type that he would just tell me, he's like, if you're gonna kill yourself, just do it. Mm. So I can take my time with patients who wanna live. Wow. You know, and a lot mm. of people think, oh my God, why would he say that? And I'm like, that's the kind of stuff I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need the, the soft, poofy stuff. I need the stuff that's real. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> so in, um, in April, I got fired. I ramped it up. I went to the hospital for eight days. They did a thoriocentesis. I remember that. It's like a needle like this long that mm-hmm. they put through your back to get the liquid out because of, and uh, I couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. I, I had to learn how to, I mean, it didn't take very long, but the oxygen was so low in my blood that I couldn't do anything. And when I got out, I had to use one of those little carts in Walmart. I couldn't mm-hmm. stand up very long because my, my lungs were so incapacitated that they had little sacks of fluid still on them and they couldn't tell me if it was ever going to get better. Mm. That, that really scared me. Mm-hmm. That really scared me because I thought I wouldn't, I couldn't even go up the stairs. I'd have to do like a kid and crawl up the stairs and then come down the stairs. Mm-hmm. I'd have to get on my butt and like wow. go down one at a time. And um, then in May, my, um, my wife's cancer came back and she slipped into a coma and she passed away on May 28th of 2013. Mm-hmm. I never got to say goodbye. I never got to anything. So, and her family had a very strong hate for me or dislike, however you want to put it. So I wasn't involved in any of the the funeral or any of the arrangements or anything. Mm -hmm. They were not happy that I showed up Mm -hmm. um, for the funeral, for the actual funeral, but I was going to go anyway. Mm -hmm. So I didn't go to the gravesite afterwards, but I was there for the, for the, the main funeral. That part of my life was pretty much like nobody wanted anything to do with me that whole time that we were together. It's like none of her friends, none of, I mean, it was just like, that was a closed book now. Mm. Her kids didn't want anything to do with me as her family couldn't stand me. Mm. <coughs> so at that point I was so involved in my addiction. <coughs> so in 2000, make sure I get the dates right here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kept drinking myself and drinking myself and um, I had my own place, you know, I had already had my own place. And so I was, I had different jobs. Um, 2014, I had seven jobs, most jobs I ever had in my life in one year. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it, I didn't get fired from any of them. Mm-hmm. I was just smart enough to know that they were catching on. Right. So I would, I would just not show up or not go back or, or for whatever reason. Um, and all this time, my, my adopted son, he had taken off to California. He was what they call a feral like a feral cat. Mm. They told me when I adopted him, they're like, you're never going to be able to tame him, basically. Mm. He ended up going to California. Well, at that time, he was in Colorado. So he wasn't around too much. Um, but he came back right around 2013. Okay, so after she passed away is when I got really bad, and that's when they started doing more tests on me, and they said, I remember the conversation I was at Scott's in Fort Wayne when I got the phone call, and they were, they were like, we're going to, have to do a transplant, a heart mm-hmm. transplant on you. And like that's conversation I'll always remember because it's like that's pretty major. Mm-hmm. And so I dealt with that for about a week and then they they called me back and they said, Well we're we've decided we're gonna do a pacemaker in medicine and see how that works. So November seventh of two thousand thirteen, my son had just come back like the week prior from Cal- or from Colorado. And we um I got my pacemaker and I did really well for a while. Um and this is why I can preach to the guys or tell the guys, you know, fear goes away. You know, like my parents passed away. It was four years ago, Christmas, dad passed away, and my mom's coming up here soon. It hurt really bad at first, but after a while, you learn how to deal with it, and it doesn't hurt as bad. Well, I, I feel that fear is the same way. It's like you remember that fear when you're in the middle of it, but it goes away. And then you start thinking, well, maybe I wasn't really that bad. Mm. Or, you know, I, you know, all those stories, you know, you start remembering the good things and not the bad things. Mm. So without a program, I mean, that's my, my opinion is, is you will go back to it because you'll forget. And mm. they say addiction is the one disease that will try to convince you you don't have it. Mm. 
So, and it does, it'll tell you, oh, they weren't that bad. You could try just one, mm -hmm. it's okay. And so, um, so I got my pacemaker in November and by um, January I was drinking again. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just had heart surgery. Mm -hmm. It was an eight hour surgery. Um, they put four leads in my, in my heart, usually they're three. And because my heart was so bad, I have um, coronary artery disease is what I have now. And I had AFib letter and AFib and my heart, they couldn't even, you know how they, they hold your wrist to get your um, pulse. Mm -hmm. They couldn't even count it that way because my heart was so, the beat was so off so far. Um, <clears throat> so I got the pacemaker, I had a job under the table. This guy sent me to go get a part to fix something and then I came back drunk. He didn't even know I was a, that I was an alcoholic. Like, Where so did I, you go to get drunk? Um, I had gone, it was in Fort Wayne, it was a pizza place up on DuPont Road, and I was working on a, a refrigeration unit and needed a fan. And he had just bought the place and didn't know me, and, and I was the manager, and because mm. I, yeah. I, I was working there when I got my pacemaker, and I had only taken like two days off when I got my pacemaker. I was in on Thursday, mm. out on Friday, and went back to work Monday. So he thought he got this, you know, stellar manager that was doing this really good job, because I had been there for a little while. Mm. He sends me to go get this fan, and I go to over by um, Glenbrook, and I pick up the fan, and on the way back, it just hit me. I or I drove by a Captain Cork, and it's like, mm -hmm. I want a drink. Mm -hmm. So I stopped and got one, and I was already drunk by the time that I got back to DuPont Road. And he's like, what the heck? You know, why are you drinking on the job? He didn't know anything about my history. Mm -hmm. So um, by that time, the alcohol was really kicking in, and so we got into a fight. I really don't remember it. I took his phone with me. I remember that. Mm -hmm. um, it was a cordless phone. I ended up taking it home that day. And the next day I got fired. Mm. And it was just off and running again. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the pacemaker, and that's what I say, the fear goes away. When I first had the, you know, when I first got that phone call about my heart, it's like, I'm never going to drink again. I'm never mm -hmm. going to do anything. I'm never, ever, not, it's mm -hmm. just not going to happen because I don't want to die. But then just not too many months later, it's like it just kicked in and then I'm off and running again. Mm -hmm. Mm. So... The last year of my addiction um, was really bad. I, I had been to the hospital a couple more times. Just before I quit, finally quit doing everything, they called a, a code blue on me. I was in um, Parkview Regional, which is the, the hospital that my wife passed away in. I was in there and, and I thought I felt okay. And I heard over the, uh, the intercom, it was a uh, code blue, code blue. And I'm like, dang, somebody's in trouble. Wow. And it was me. Mm -hmm. And next thing I know, it's the only time I've ever been in a room with a bunch of beautiful women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all these nurses came in and they put me on my head um, in the in the bed. And I was in CICU. I ended up in ICU that night. And um, and there's there's a lot of stuff in between, but that's that's what really got me. And the first thing I did when I got out from that stint was drink because I was so mm -hmm. shaken, like I couldn't. I couldn't hold a cup. I, I couldn't take a drink without a straw, and then it had to have a lid on it or I would spill mm -hmm. it. And so I learned later that um, that coming off alcohol is that, and I think it's benzos, are the only two that things that will can really kill you. It can mm -hmm. shut down your organs if you don't, if you aren't supervised. <clears throat> so, so I almost died that day, and then a week later, I got out and I drank for a week, and then a week later, it's like I can't do this anymore. So, so what made you decide that? Did like God speak to you in that, or just, just your? God had always been speaking to me. You know, I knew I could do better, but at that, well, okay, backtrack a little bit. Just before I went in the hospital that last time, I was drunk and I called the the hospital in Huntington, and I said I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do to stop. I've tried to stop mm -hmm. everything, and they're like, "Are you suicidal?" And I said, "No." I'm not suicidal because I don't believe in that, but I'll be okay if I don't wake up tomorrow. Mm. And as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. I would rather not wake up tomorrow. Mm. And they considered that close enough to suicide. So they sent the sheriff out and they took, I ended up a nice little vacation in Parkview Behavioral Health mm. um, about four days until I could convince them that I was, that I was okay and that I wasn't going to go back to it. But of course I did as soon as I got out. Um, and now I forgot your question already. I just want to know when you decided that you weren't oh, going to drink okay. anymore. To God, you know, God intervened mm. at that point, or what made you? So I decided I'm going to quit. Um, January first of 2015 sounded like a good date mm. for me, <laughs> so I picked that. Of course, it didn't happen. Um, January 15th, um, 
that week was a really rough week for me, and I tried going to church here and there, and I tried talking to people, but like, um, I had abandoned everybody, including myself, mm-hmm. and so I really didn't want to hear about God too much. Um, like I said, I didn't blame him for anything, but it was like I was I was so uh, wrapped up in everything mm-hmm. that it's like I, I wasn't thinking straight whatsoever. So 2000, or on, um, it was a Thursday, it was the 14th of January. I was talking to my son, he was in prison again, and he was telling me how I used to be his hero and how, mm-hmm. you know, he would watch me and, and you know, my sober times because I had done a lot of good things. And, and he's like, you're, you know, every time I go to jail or prison now, you drink and you're just going to kill yourself. And I got really mad and I hung up on him. And I realized, you know, I can't call him back. He's in prison. Mm-hmm. And he sent me, they have emails. He sent me an email, very, very not nice email about, you know, how I had disappointed him and how, you know, he was hoping that I could help him change his life and all that kind of stuff. And that was the night that I was like, okay, I, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm, I'm stopping. Friday, I was already scheduled to give out food at the um, food pantry in, in Andrews. That's where I was living mm-hmm. with my parents. They had an apartment upstairs. I was giving out food. I, I know that everybody could smell the alcohol on me. I was still mm-hmm. drunk. Um, but that was my last drink that night. Over the weekend, I slept, and I I went through the DTs and everything. And then um, Monday, I went out, and it's like, and it, and it makes it sound easy, but it wasn't easy whatsoever. And I got up, and I'm like, I, I've got it. I can do this one day at a time. And that's what it is one day at a time. But Mm -hmm. for me, it was 10 minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. Like literally, I'd sit Mm -hmm. there and watch my watch. And it's like, okay, I got three more minutes over. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, I'd watch a lot of Shark Tank and uh, Gunsmoke. Mm -hmm. Watched a lot of Gunsmoke. (laughs) Because if I started watching Gunsmoke, then, you know, by the time it got over, it was an hour. Mm -hmm. And I'm another hour sober. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I had to do. And I had been introduced to AA before, and I and I knew some of the answers, and I had been to AA here in town. Um, they didn't have hardly any meetings, but I had been to them. So it just kind of all came together, and I got a job. I went to Johnny's. You guys are familiar mm-hmm. with Johnny's here in town? Mm-hmm. I ran that for the last okay. five years or so. Um, I went there, interviewed, and he didn't call me back, and I just felt like this is when God really started working in me. It was like... I knew that that was my job, and I couldn't explain it to anybody. I just knew that that was my job. So I called him back. It was Monday I interviewed. I called him back on Tuesday, and he's like, well, I have some other interviews to do. So Wednesday morning I got up, and I got dressed to go out and looking for a job, and I sit in my car in the front of the house, and I'm like, why am I looking for a job? I know that's my mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. And this is not the kind of you know, person I had been you know, mm-hmm. believing in God, and there's a reason for everything and all that. Um, so I called him up, and I said, have you found somebody yet? And he's like, no, we haven't found anybody yet. And I told him, I said, I don't know why, but I feel, and he's not um, really into the church or whatever, but I, I said, I just know this is my job, so I'll tell you what. I will work two days for free. Mm-hmm. Just give me a chance. Let me come in there and see what I can do, and if you don't like me or if it doesn't work out, we'll go our separate ways. You don't owe me anything. Mm-hmm. Just give me a chance. Mm-hmm. And he just couldn't refuse that. Mm-hmm. So I went in there, and the first day that I worked, because I've done restaurants all my life. I'd never done short order or cook before, but the first day I went in there, he's, like, begging me by the end of the shift. Mm. He's like, so you want full time? Do you want this or that? Or, <laughs> And at that point, my heart was so bad, I was looking at maybe doing um, disability. Mm-hmm. My heart was at 17%. Um, do you know what an injection, fr- injection fraction is? No clue. It's how hard your heart squeezes, and that's, you know, the pressure that it gives to mm-hmm. move your blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I was wrong in that 17. I was down to 14%. A normal person is 75%. Wow. So nobody's 200. But went down to 14%, mm-hmm. they said I should have been bedridden. I shouldn't have been having any, any energy or whatever. So when I quit drinking, I was at 14%. My kidneys were failing. My liver mm-hmm. was elevated. The enzymes, I was taking four shots a day for um, diabetes. That, that's the mess that I was in mm-hmm. when I started that job. So I was looking at disability because I had really messed up my body. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he's like, I'll give you as many hours as you want. And we figured out a contract. And, mm-hmm. and I went to my sisters and I'm like, 
I'm doing this. I'm not going to do disability. I'm doing this. And she thought I was crazy. Mm. And, um, and now looking back is like, God put me there exactly where I needed to be for a reason. Mm -hmm. And, and it's funny, like now where I am in life is I look at all the stuff that I went through and all the things that I learned in my life. And it all comes back to helping me do what I do now for a living. Mm -hmm. So I worked there for a couple of years, did my thing, stayed sober, went to meetings and my um, my son, it was on a Friday, and they, he was in jail again up in Terre Haute, or not in Terre Haute, Laporte. And they said, we're putting him out on house arrest. Okay, I didn't even know it was a possibility. So I had to leave work early and went all the way up there. It was two hours one way. I got him, brought him back, and that was, that was on a Friday. And Monday, there were some things that happened in the, in the middle of those two days. But on Monday, he overdosed. And I had never really dealt with any kind of anything like that. I didn't know what Narcan was back mm. then. It wasn't available uh, like it is now. And I didn't know what to do. So I called 911, and, and he literally died in front of me. His, he turned blue, uh, his lips. I mean, I was doing mm -hmm. CPR. We were out in Andrews, so, like, they didn't have anybody real close. Mm -hmm. So his girlfriend was there, and she was holding the phone, and I was doing compressions on his chest for about 10 minutes. And he wasn't showing any signs of anything. So the um, the EMS show up, and they go upstairs, and they Narcan him, and they bring him back. And, and then that just pisses him off because I called the police because he was on house mm -hmm. arrest. So um, he went to the hospital, and um, and I went there, and he just, like, had nothing but hate for me because, like, I had called the police. He was They cut mm -hmm. off his anklet because mm -hmm. he was going to go back to jail and, and the whole deal. It wasn't any kind of gratitude. It was like, I just saved your life. Mm -hmm. You know, you were dead. He would have rather stayed dead instead mm. of going back to that. So it started working on me that, that weekend um, or the next weekend when when I realized, you know, no parent should have to do that, adopted or not. No parent mm -hmm. should have to sit there and, and do mm -hmm. CPR on their child. So I started thinking because he had looked for a house in Huntington, a men's home, and there wasn't anything. There was mm -hmm. the, the Dream Center had a men's home, but they were very, very, very strict on who came in. They only had like eight beds. And a lot of times they were only like four beds full because their their um, process was so strict. And so there was nothing for men, and there was like five women's houses. And I'm like, what's mm -hmm. the deal? Mm -hmm. And then it just hit me one night. It's like, I need to open a men's home. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I said that, it just like, I just knew, and I can't explain it to this day, well, except for it's God. I knew that's what I was supposed to do. So I started telling people I'm going to open a men's mm -hmm. home because there isn't anything here in town. And for the most part, everybody was like, well, that's cool. But, you know, nobody wants to listen to you because, like, I'm just a cook. And mm. I've only been in town, like, a couple of years. And so um, January 2017 is when I came up with the name. I had tried to get everybody. I was very well liked at Johnny's. I had a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. And I so I had made it like a contest, you know, a name or whatever. And I mm -hmm. couldn't – nobody <laughs> would give me a name. And one day on the way to work – I never used the word harmony in my life. <laughs> um, one day on the way to work, it hit me. It's like harmony home. Well, it was Harmony House at first. Mm -hmm. And, like, God started showing me I had somebody in – I had met so many people through the restaurant. I had met some people that had money. I had mm -hmm. met some people that had uh, a little bit of power here in town, like for zoning and stuff. I knew somebody that rented houses. Mm -hmm. um, it just all came together, and it's like, wow, this is, this is going to happen. And I don't know how long it was before I realized that this was going to be my – purpose in life and I had never had a purpose in my entire life um, I was just living life and I didn't really concentrate on I've got some certain thing to do here on earth mm -hmm. and like I had a lot of people that tried to convince me to do a faith-based house and I am not I don't go to church like that I'm not qualified to do a faith-based house and I know to this day that this is what God wanted me to do we are not faith-based we are 12-step based the 12 steps are brought to us by God 100 percent mm -hmm. I mean it says you know, they, they do higher power because, you know, we want everybody to come even if they believe in Allah or mm. or Buddha or whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, my belief is if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not going to make it anywhere. So, mm -hmm. um, but we don't force that on them. We, we let them pick if they want to go to church or not. And we have three quarters of my guys go to church mm -hmm. out of 35 guys on their own because they want to. I think that's a pretty good number. Mm -hmm. And instead of being forced to go to a certain church and believe in the way I believe, um, so, yeah, we've had some pretty good success there, but backtracking. So I started fundraising, and it was just 
unreal, the, the doors that opened so fast. So from 2017, January, we had our first fundraiser um, in August because I was so excited when I got my business permit. Mm-hmm. And we raised like $1,400 our first, and nobody even knew what Harmony Home was. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't even have, like, I had printed up business cards that we printed on our own. You know, we mm-hmm. had no money. I started, I was making seven twenty-five an hour. No money in savings, no nothing, mm. and, and that's where it all started from. And, you know, this is, um, I just put on Facebook last night, God chooses, or God equips the chosen. He doesn't choose the equipped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he completely <laughs> equipped me with all these people around me, people that believed in me and just liked me as a person, and then they believed in the mission that I was doing, and it took me two and a half years to get it open with doing all the fundraising and um so that was September 30th of, of 2019 is when we opened. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of walls that came up in front of me. And when I first told my sister, mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing, she's like, uh-huh, sure. I'm one of these people that have a hard time finishing mm-hmm. what I start. So um, when she saw like a couple mm-hmm. months in that I was dedicated and I was spending, now mind you, I was still working between 70 and 90 hours a week at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I was working at the pizza place again back in Fort Wayne. So I was doing all that, and I would come home and working on this on the side. And she started helping me. She was, I say I wouldn't be open if it wasn't for her, but she says mm-hmm. that I would have anyway because I've um, been pretty um, adamant about it. But she did all the research for me, figuring out how to be a, a 501c3 and having mm-hmm. a board of directors and, and all this stuff. She did all that mm-hmm. research, so I was just doing the physical stuff. So I had got a house there at Tipton. It was completely gutted. And as soon as I saw it, it's like, oh, my God, this is perfect. And everybody's like, mm-hmm. it's a gutted house. How is it perfect? And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'd never had visions before. Not like visions, visions. Mm-hmm. But, like, I saw it, and I just knew it was perfect. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, the, I mean, we started, I got um, from the Huntington Medical Society here in town. They called me up one day and said, we heard you're um, going to open a house. And I said, yeah, I'm working on it. And they said, well, we're giving out money for people, for the houses in, in town, we'd like to talk to you. Mm. I didn't know who it was. I had no connections, you know, as mm. far as that kind of stuff goes. So me and my sister, my sister and I went to Makate's, and that's what they were meeting. And there was um, Dr. Matt Flieger and his wife and, and some other people there. And I spoke for 15 minutes, and apparently my passion came across because the next day they emailed me and said they were giving me $10,000. Wow. And it's like I was beyond excited. I'd never mm-hmm. had that kind of money given to me for anything. Um, it used to be people wouldn't give me a dollar because they figured I was going to drink it away. Mm. So that was the $10,000 that got us open. And um, and in the time since, we, we just graduated our 43rd guy. Um, we now have three homes. I have uh, 35 beds. We've expanded to what we have, an at-home program. Mm. So if somebody's in the program like six months and they – it's almost like an aftercare thing, so they can move out for the last three months. They still have to hit a certain amount of meetings a week. They still have to be subject to urine screens. They still have to talk to us. They still have to be part of the house, just not living there. Mm-hmm. So that gives us a chance to expand and put more people in beds. But we have 10 people in the um, – my sister calls it the out-of-house program <laughs> – um, in the out-of-house of program. So really we're working with about 45 guys right now at any given time. And we're having some really good success. And and it's not me, and it's not the house, and it's like first it's God, and then it's the 12 steps. and it's But he's given me a heart that I never had before. It's like when I was in my mm-hmm. addiction, it was all about me. If, I, if, it didn't, if it didn't benefit me, I wasn't doing it. Or I would be the type that I would steal from you and help you look for it. So um, to be a place where people come and – I call us a big old screwed up dysfunctional family. Mm. We look out for each other. We take care of each other. It's it's all peer support. All of my staff have graduated the program, mm. um, and we're we're doing really well. Uh, we're going to expand in North Carolina, is what I'm looking at now, mm. for different reasons. Um, but uh, like God is like He blesses us. We get we we tease that we get a harmony home belly like. We have so much food donated; it's ridiculous. Mm. Like we get, we get Walmart every Friday, and we get. I have like four freezers full of meat, just wow. meat, and we get donations from all over the community. Um, anybody has like uh, catering things that they have extra food, they bring it to us, and mm. like we just got one of those yesterday. The um, 
Dream Center gave us some stuff, um, some milk and stuff. We go through like 12, 14, 24 gallons of milk a week. Um, <laughs> so, so are all your houses here in Huntington then? Your three yes. houses? Are, they, they are. Yeah, they're all okay. here in Huntington. At first, I, I thought I would just like expand, but it just makes more sense um, to keep them close because then we can all still do things as a group. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they're all within a couple blocks of each other. So do you yeah. have, like, house parents or something or people who... No, we have... Well, I'm I'm not a typical director. I know a lot of directors, they, they sit in an office and they work on on the, the finances and the, and the grants and stuff, which I need to work on because, like, we struggle. Mm. Um, but we're still open and we're yeah. still, we're still yeah. growing. So, um, but I'm very hands-on. I like to do one-on-ones with my guys. I want to know what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things they love about us is we are very hands-on and we care and we, we follow them with their journey and we figure out what they need specifically. And we make sure that they get like anger management or parenting classes or um, all of them have to work on their mental health. That's a requirement. Mm -hmm. They have to go to the Bone Center. But um, yeah, so we're all close. Like every Monday through Friday, we have a noon meeting at the Tipton House. So anybody that's not at work has to come to the Tipton House, and we so do. So like the meeting. nursing home, Tipton House. Oh, your tip. Never yeah. mind the house at Tipton yeah. Street. I yeah, was like, how do you? Where, how do you get all these people in one place? That's what I was well, really like. Today we had probably twenty five at the meeting, and and it's a oh small God. place. Wow. So. So we've um, I've got so many resources here in town, and this town mm -hmm. has been nothing but so much support for us, as far as food goes, for as far as like anything goes. I had a gentleman over the summer. He had been in a, a recovery home up in Michigan, and he owns a uh, insurance place in Roanoke, and he donated a Ford Flex to us. Mm. He paid uh, a decent amount of money for it, just gave it to us mm. because he believed in, you know, he did some research mm -hmm. and believed in our cause. Um, we're state certified through the state of Indiana. All three houses are. Um, I'm a peer recovery coach and a peer recovery coach supervisor. Uh, which I don't practice either one of those because I'm kind of busy as it is, mm -hmm. but I just, I wanted the certifications, but all my guys, I mean, it's, it's just a family and we take care of each other. Like I had one that left for a lot of reasons and he had been back and he left again. And, um, I just picked him up about a week and a half ago up in Marion and I brought him home and he, I was afraid of his mental health. He was like a little bit unstable and like, he's been smiling and laughing and mm -hmm. all this. And it's like, not the person I thought I was going to get. And he said, when I came back, it was just like home. Mm. He's just missed being home. Mm. So like the guys that graduate, I encourage them to come back and they do. Mm -hmm. They come back and spend time with the guys that are in the program. And, um, and another thing that I, that I always knew was that we were going to do is I don't want to be one of those houses that are sitting on the corner and they don't have a sign or anything. I'm proud to be in Huntington and I'm proud to be part of the recovery community mm -hmm. and we will be, we will continue to be a, um, a community house. Mm -hmm. So we started parking for the Pioneer Festival two years ago, and mm. they just love us. So I take my guys, and we'll volunteer. When I got 35 guys, I can usually get 20 of them to show up somewhere mm -hmm. if they're not working or whatever, and, and we do things for the community, and, and, and it's good for them. It's mm -hmm. good for them to give back, and, um, and we enjoy it. And it's nice for them to, to realize, like, when we go in the parade and we, we – um, go past and people clap for us. Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of these guys um, are used to being shunned mm -hmm. or being in jail and being judged and all this kind of stuff. And when they're with Harmony Home, we have a good reputation to where their people are proud of them and, and clap for them and mm -hmm. give them hugs and all this kind of stuff. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's really cool what God has done. And I can't wait to see. My vision has always been five. So mm -hmm. I think I'm, I know that we're going to open five. So I got two more to go. Wow. And um, everything that that I believe, it, I mean, it's just all come true. And I know that I'm doing God's work. And I mean, it's, it's an amazing feeling to wake up in the morning and know that I have a purpose and I'm fairly good at that purpose. Mm -hmm. I'm still learning. Um, nine years into my sobriety, I'm still learning about myself. I think it's one of the big things that, well, I know it's one of the big things that helped me is I'm open-minded and I'm, uh, let's see, NA is honesty, open-mindedness and willingness. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to learn. I know that I'm not the smartest person in the room doesn't matter how long I have in sobriety. There can be somebody that's mm -hmm. been sober a week that can teach me something mm -hmm. if I'm willing to learn. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to keep growing. And then I get people like, you know, New Life Church that, that hang on and they see our, our mission and what we're doing in the, in the community and they help us out. And it's like every time I turn around, God's given us other blessings. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's just unreal. I would have never thought. 
10 years ago you would have told mm-hmm. me I was doing this mm-hmm. and I'd be like, yeah, you're crazy. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> so. the cool part of, of God. You know, yeah, yeah. Hang on long enough and you can see some of the yeah. the cool things he's got for you. So like, so how do, how do can anybody, how do people get into your program? I mean, what does that look like? Do you have a process that people have to go through? I mean. Well, I, there again, I, I think outside the box. I'm not like a, a college educated, mm-hmm. you know, director or whatever. So like, what I started doing is I do, I talk to so many guys in jail. And so I'll do applications over the phone. I have a, mm-hmm. a, a, a detailed enough application over the phone and we talk to them and like, I have money on the phone, so they don't have to like try to figure out how to call me. They, my, my number is very popular over in Grant County mm-hmm. jail. Mm-hmm. Um, and they call us and they do an application on the phone. And then if they're eligible for the program, then we can talk to their probation officer or judges. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really cool. Maybe I shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I, I haven't ever got my felony expunged. And I still, like, I can go to jails and they will release guys to my custody mm. to bring to the program, and I'm still a felon. Mm. But that's one of the things that shows these guys that I'm real. Mm. And that, you know, I'm, and when I give my story, I tell them, if I can do this, you can do anything. I'm just mm-hmm. a cook. That's all I've ever done all my life is mm-hmm. just, you know, run restaurants. And if I can do this and be state certified and, and be recognized by courts and things, and it's just me. You know, it's still just me. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine what they can do in their lives when they're in their 30s or still have little kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. They have so many possibilities. They just have to believe in themselves mm-hmm. and have somebody believe in them also. Yeah. Are they able to come and go as they oh. please or it just depends on what their the requirements <clears throat> no. are? No. no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, so as far as um, the people that, that we get, we get a lot of them from jail, but not all. It's a very easy application process they can get on um harmonyhomeofhuntington.com there's an application on there Mm -hmm. they can bring it by they can mail it to us we get probably 75 percent from incarceration 25 percent from off the street okay we're not we're not targeting anybody it's like whoever wants to be sober and wants to give this um a shot then we're Mm -hmm. gonna help them out so um as far as it's an extremely structured program so when i do the application i tell them like there's a lot of homes where you can just come and go as you please. Mm-hmm. You you have to sleep there, and then at 6 a.m. you can sign out and be gone till 10 p.m. That's not us. Mm-hmm. Um, I know where my guys are all the time. Mm-hmm. They hit meetings every day, every mm-hmm. day, um, unless they're excused, which isn't very often. Before you get a job, you're hitting three meetings a day. Um, and then that doesn't include, like, uh, celebrate recovery on Monday mm-hmm. nights and going to church and going, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of them go to different churches on Wednesday nights. So that doesn't – I do include that in part of the meetings, but they have to be doing 12 step meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they get life 360 on their phones mm. so I can track them. I've got spies all over Huntington <laughs> that, that know me and, and mm. I get phone calls all the time. Do you know that this guy mm-hmm. is here doing this? Um, so no, they're, I hold them accountable for mm-hmm. their, mm-hmm. that's what I needed somebody to hold me accountable for my actions. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. And so they have curfews, they have and they do not just run, mm-hmm. and I will never be that way because yeah. that doesn't teach them anything. Yeah. That's not a program. Yeah, because I'm teaching them it's not just not using drugs and alcohol; it's to live without using drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. So it's getting bank accounts, and it's you know mm-hmm. doing your laundry like you're mm-hmm. supposed to, and keeping your area clean, and working on your mental health, and just being a human being again. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of these guys have lived in tents or lived in houses mm-hmm. without electricity or water for years, mm-hmm. so. And then some of them come from really not broken homes like me, and mm-hmm. and they're used to all that stuff, but they just need the discipline mm-hmm. that they know that somebody's going to be checking. And we do drug screens every 7 to 10 days. Mm-hmm. With 35 guys, I got 35 alcoholics and addicts. They're going to tell me. Like, I, I get loyalty pretty quick with the guys because they know I actually really care. And so they'll come to me and say, hey, you know, I might want to check that guy because, mm-hmm. you know, he's acting a little different. So... Um, it's a system that is really working really well and we're just, I'm excited to grow. And I, I kind of wish that I would have started it earlier so I could mm-hmm. help more people. But that last, last year of my addiction, if I wouldn't have went through that, I wouldn't have the knowledge mm-hmm. and, and the drive and everything. Mm-hmm. So God has a plan for everybody, you know, yeah. to get sober at a certain yeah. time. And, um, I'm so blessed as mm-hmm. it's like, I'm the happiest I ever been. And I saw, I feel guilty saying that cause my wife passed away, but I am. I'm the happiest yeah. I've ever been. I get yeah. to I get to wake up every morning and do podcasts, mm-hmm. and, um, <laughs> but I, I get to help people. And um, I was in a dark mm-hmm. spot, and I can actually help somebody out of that dark spot where I was. And 
they know I'm genuine because I was there and I can yeah. I can relate and yeah. like what can be better than that than helping people you yeah. know wow. getting to see people get to um, get to see their kids again when they've got their mm -hmm. kids taken away or you know they're I had a graduate a couple of weeks ago that his mom came up and, and just like just cried and hugged me and said thank you for giving my, my son back and mm -hmm. like that kind of stuff is like what could be better than that right yeah. wow so. I, I only have like two more questions just real quick but like how long is your program how, how long are people like in that does it vary what, individual it's or minimum nine months nine months six months okay. is when if they're doing really good that they might be able to move out but that's on a case-by-case -case basis and um but if they want to stay longer like i've had just because you graduate in nine months or if we do extend it for whatever reason like if somebody hasn't finished their ged because they have to do their ged mm. and anger management and they do mrt and there's some other things that we require for them to do. So if they don't get it done in the nine months, then we keep them a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. But um, if they, when they graduate, they don't have to leave. I'm not pushing people out. Mm. Um, you know, we, we would like to bed for somebody else, yes, but I don't want to push somebody out when they're not ready. If mm -hmm. they're not ready, they're not ready. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure we, we have um, people in town that we that work with us on apartments for felons and things. Mm -hmm. So. We get them set awesome. up, and then we get people that donate. Like, if I have somebody that's graduating, I put it on Facebook, and I'll get pots and pans, and I'll get furniture, mm -hmm. and I'll get people just, like, really donate a lot for us, wow. for our guys. So. to follow you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so how many staff do you have? How many? I have eight staff members okay, well, right now. I'm sure you'd have to. I'm just amazed by all that you are doing. So, wow. like, during the daytime, mm -hmm. most of the guys work. I mean, they can work any shift. But during the daytime, that's when we have to do our um, – like getting people from jail and doing all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So I have, I have um, two staff members that work during the day, and then for the most part, I have two or three that work at the night. There'll be either two split between the three houses, or um, I have one that works particularly at our Franklin location. Um, and then uh, they go to meetings. We keep them busy. Mm -hmm. So like from seven thirty to eight thirty, almost every night of the week, they're at a meeting. Mm -hmm. And is a that lot what of you're doing here? Cause sometimes you guys are here at the cafe. We'll be is here tonight. We do. Yeah. That's our staff meeting tonight. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, every other Tuesday. And we sit down and we go through. We're a very individualized program. Like um, addiction and recovery are not cookie cutter. What works for one won't work for the other. Mm. Like I worked literally 70, 90 hours a week. Most of the guys would be overwhelmed and couldn't handle that and would probably slip back into addiction. That's what works for me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work for everybody. So we're very um, individual-based so we'll sit here and we go through, we're trying to get our policies and procedures. We just opened the third house a year ago and we're still, we added 13 beds. That was a lot to add. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're still, you know, when you grow, you have to change things. Mm -hmm. So we're still working on that, but we go through each individual person. Mm -hmm. And then that way the, the staff, if they see something that I don't see, mm -hmm. you know, so we can talk about wow. each, each individual person on what they need to work on. Mm -hmm. And um, they have phases, they have four phases. Um, and if they're not saving money and not, doing their classes and everything and then they mm -hmm. won't phase up mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. um i use my my staff a lot for mm -hmm. the eyes and ears when i'm not around yeah. but i also live at one of the locations which was never planned mm -hmm. but it's just kind of where i am and now it's home to me mm -hmm. and uh i mean i fit in i mean that's i would rather be in a room full of addicts and alcoholics in recovery than i would be in a room full of mm. you know um what do you want to say? Like politicians? Well, I, would, I wouldn't want to be in with politicians anyway. But, but I, I just I relate to them, mm. and it, it's yeah, it's working really well. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you have any questions for? Yeah, him? no, I mean, just because we're at the end. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I mean, if, if for the people listening uh -huh. or watching, if they want to support, I mean, how uh -huh. do they? They just get with you, and you say hey, these are the things I need. You know, is it like from a financial standpoint, is there a donation, donations that people can give all the time? Like, what's the best way to support what you're doing? Mm -hmm. If you get on um, Harmony Home on Facebook, there's a way to give on there. Our, our website has a donate button on there. But um, I'm still working on that because I'm a, I'm a very hands-on director. Mm -hmm. It's like I spend a lot of time with my guys, and it has actually... We have suffered in the past for that because we, we struggle mm -hmm. with with good running bands and things where, like, I see a lot of homes that they, they're they really good at that grant doing mm -hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm still learning on that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're surviving and we're doing fine and we're growing. Um, I need to work on that more. But um, 
But when people donate, I like to meet them. I, mm. I, I would love to meet them and, and give them a tour. Like mm. I'll give a tour of our house anytime anybody wants to see mm. it. I, I'm proud to show off. You know, we're homes. So we're not a facility. We're mm -hmm. a home. And um, so there's that way. Or they can write us a check and send it to us. Um, we're, we're, we are a not-for-profit, so you can find us pretty easily on, mm -hmm. on the web. Mm -hmm. But um, those are the main ways. Yeah, and that's the most support. Because when you said, like, we're struggling and still trying to figure mm -hmm. it, is that the main way to help you overcome barriers is money today? Is it... I hate to ask for money, but it's... Um, well, I mean, doesn't yeah. everybody? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't feel like anybody's, like, yeah. super excited about asking for money. But what, if it's a barrier yeah. to change a life, I mean, it's better to understand what the barrier is. It's um, back in March of 2023, we opened our third home. And we, had, we have a waiting list all the time. Mm. I always have at least 10 people on a waiting list. Mm. So we opened that, assuming we could fill it pretty quickly. And like I said, I had 13 mm -hmm. beds. Well, then life happened. Some people left, and we ended up uh, with 35 beds. And I think at one point I had almost 20 of them empty, mm. and that just financially drained us. We had a really good cushion there for a while. So all of 2023, we have struggled. We, we're still open. We're still moving forward. And, like, my board, this is God's vision for me. And, like, so, like, most most houses, well, no, no houses that I know of, like, we – we provide the milk and the bread and the eggs and the peanut butter and the, and the basic stuff mm -hmm. and lunch meat for them. And then we get all the other food donated and we, we give them basic hygiene and we, um, we give them, we keep our, uh, we have a washer and dryer on site. So mm -hmm. I, I give them the um, laundry pods and things. So I do a lot of stuff that other places don't do, which costs us more money, mm -hmm. but it's just, that's who we are. And I'm not going to let that up. So sometimes it hurts us a little bit, but we're, 2024 is going to be a good year for mm -hmm. us. But, yeah, cash is um, – and like I said, I can give pe people tours and show them exactly what we do. Mm -hmm. But it just drained our bank account to the point where – and then I'll be darned if I wasn't going to – you know, we had Christmas, and we had a good Christmas. A lot of these guys haven't been able mm -hmm. to celebrate Christmas in a home or, mm -hmm. you know, not out of jail or, or whatever. So I made sure they had good Christmases, mm -hmm. each one of them got. Um, but we had some people that really helped out and donated on that too. So um, – and then – taking them to do things. It's very important. You have to have fun and sobriety. Mm -hmm. If you don't have mm -hmm. fun and recovery, what's the point? Right. Yeah. So, you know, that costs me money too, but mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I just know in my heart, this is what I'm supposed to do. I just need to work a little bit better at getting that, those grants and things, mm -hmm. but we're going to, we are going to open an, a fourth house hopefully next year. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah well, again, yeah. I mean, obviously your personal story, the things that God's laid mm -hmm. on your heart, the, I mean, there's a huge need. I mean, I feel like that's something that everybody's talked about and continues to talk about is how do you get a safe place to get your life turned around, get it right, have people that care about you, help the transitional piece of it all. And so, I mean, thankful for everything that you're doing. And I think for all of our listeners and the people that are watching, I mean, uh, we need to be able to help people who have that vision and have that mm -hmm. ability overcome those barriers mm -hmm. because it's like anything, there's never enough, you know, right. there, there's not enough houses, there's not enough transition places, there's not, if we're ever going to overcome the problem, we can't ignore it, you right. know, and so I think for all of the listeners and the people that are watching, like, we got to, we got to figure that out, so I'm sure we'll put a link up whenever mm -hmm. we put this out for people to be able to get with you, to be able to, you know, whether that's meeting you and getting a tour, or whether that's just financially being involved, whether that's whatever, you know, I think that, there's enough people that listen, watch that we mm -hmm. ought to be able to help overcome some of those barriers. So, and we appreciate anything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, and I know this is God all the way. I mean, I had to put in the work and, and I see people that say, well, God wanted me to do this, but then nothing happened. You have to put in the work. You can't right. just sit by and, and twiddle your thumbs. You have right. to do things. Mm -hmm. And, um, I love what I do mm -hmm. 24 hours a day. I get calls at two o'clock in the morning. And I, um, I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's what I mean for yeah. people that God has called and, you know, equipped to do things there's there's just a support system that needs mm -hmm. to happen you know to be able to continue to give you what you need to be able to carry out the vision so we'll put that out there mm -hmm. and again if you're watching or listening make sure that you get on the link that you you know again i would recommend take an opportunity take a tour get to know you see what's going mm -hmm. on again don't ignore the problem i mean it's it is an issue for somebody that's sacrifice to be able to to do this that we need to come alongside and i mean it should be limitless like there's enough money mm -hmm. you know yeah. out there in the world <laughs> i mean there's always enough money we just need to 
yeah, pray that, you know, people will get on board and be a part mm-hmm. of that. So we'll be praying for you. And again, you know, we love that we can do our small part, you know, in helping and being a part of, and we hope that this gives more opportunity for people to get on board and help and, and continue to push through on a vision that I think is, you know, transformational. If you can get guys back in the right spots and mm-hmm. get them to be a part of, of society again and get over those addictions and just look what it did for you and the mm-hmm. difference you're making in the world. I mean, yeah, you do that over and over mm-hmm. again, things change pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So yep. yeah, thanks for everything you're doing and doing mm-hmm. in that. And again, thanks everybody that's listened or, and or is in watch. And again, we just pray that you'll get out there and support. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.